0: I feel like I'm reading a parallel universe Wikipedia page right now. Like nobody just like, thinks about as you're it. talking to me. Everything, all the links are turning blue. <laughs> yeah. You're like oh Theodore Veil. Vale. I'm like oh Theodore Veil. Vale. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever? Hi Paul, good Good
1: morning, how are
0: you? Good to have you on the podcast. I look forward to people saying that we get along too well and don't fight enough. Can we fight a little bit, get this going?
1: I miss Rich. I'll I'll see if I can do that with you. (laughs) Except that neither of us are fighters. No, I know. At heart. So
0: this isn't about us at all. This is about the guest. And the guest today is someone who's actually had a, a kind of gentle and quiet influence on this organization through a book that he wrote.
1: There's this book that Paul quotes all the time, and it happens so often that I finally was like, let me just, let me read this book, because clearly this has influenced Paul's thinking. And then I read the book, and I was like, I get it get it
0: the book is called agency and uh it's one of the many things that has been written and one of the many things that has been done by rick webb hi welcome rick hey how's it going so agency comes out of the fact that you actually used to
2: run an agency and yeah agency yeah you were a co-founder early
0: partner what was it founder yeah okay and that that agency was called the Barbarian Group. There were things that Barbarian Group did early, like subversive chicken,
2: subservient,
0: subservient yes. chicken.
1: subservient chicken was a thing. Yeah, it, was it was a, a thing. Real thing. There was a period there. It was a I thought a I was going to be on the
0: tombstone. I was a little worried about that. Oh, that was going to be your legacy. <laughs> <Yeah>. Subservient chicken <laughs> for, for the for the people under the age of uh, probably what 30. 30. Yeah. Yeah. They might have missed subservient
2: chicken. What was it? It was a viral marketing campaign for Burger King. um, Oh, yeah. And we did it with an agency called Crispin Porter Bogusky, who had done a bunch of ads with the subservient chicken, which is a strange bondage-inspired, BDSM-inspired chicken, man in a chicken outfit.
0: This was sort of the, like, Burger King was just trying everything, I'm guessing.
2: Yeah, they were going through a a lot of corporate uh, M&A, like private equity people would be buying and selling them and they would change their agencies all the time. But Burger uh, Crispin was pretty methodical in that strategy that appeared like they were going for everything.
0: So this was a big moment in which you'd created like an interactive flash bondage chicken that you could torment.
2: Yeah. It's kind of it, like the old video chat command, creepy porn sites. What the, could you make it do? I'm just trying to remember. It had thousands of things.
0: You that, could yeah. Do. So this is the thing I and mean, no one had ever seen a subservient Burger King chicken before on the internet. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I remember being like at my first dot com job and like looking at my coworkers and just being like what this is so weird and yet oddly so compelling. This is a who thought what? it was this thing that if you were
0: on the Internet, you kind of noticed and talked about it. Yeah, yes. yeah, which is pretty significant for Burger King. Like nobody was going like Burger King, the Internet, putting those two things
2: no, together. No. So
0: and that was a big hit for early Barbarian and kind of grew from there.
2: Yeah, we were but, about five years old at that point. OK, really like viral marketing kind of was taking off as it was very big in theory, meme theory and all that. But like brands were kind of like broke through to brands thinking about it. You Mm -hmm. know, all those sort of influential marketing guru guys would be out there. And like Adweek is writing
0: about it. Yeah. So they were
2: all starting to want to try it. So that was kind of when it left the lab in the, in academia and people started thinking maybe it could work because the promise is obviously huge. You can get your message to millions of people without paying for a bunch of media. You know what
0: I mean? Barbarian is an agency.
2: Yeah, so the reason I said it was about we were about five years in is because viral marketing came along then. We were already around. We were, you know, probably 60 people before that happened. Eh, maybe okay. 50, I don't remember. But the, the world was a little bit different back then. There was sort of like the big digital agencies, Razorfish, you know, mm-hmm. uh, agency.com, people like that. There was like. Oh, yeah, they passed on me once. Yeah. yeah. yeah <laughs> what year was this? 2001, late Got 2001. It. Me and two of the partners, Keith Butters and Robert Hodgin, were all working at Arnold on the Volkswagen account. There was that point where you know the guy who came up with
0: Nugent right, for Volkswagen. That, that, yeah,
2: that was before us. No, I know. Where like, drivers like, wanted.
0: Yeah. yeah, were you the ones where like <laughs> it, the the music played and everything synchronized? Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's so, exactly yeah. why I got
2: into advertising was that ad. Yeah. So there's this, a, <laughs>
0: that was the that was the sort of cool soundtrack era of yeah. Of that's what car we did, ads? right?
2: Yeah, we brought indie rock to car ads. <laughs> My boss, Lance Jensen, did all that.
0: Right. Right. And then you, you're, you're making way for the later iPodization of
2: everything. Right. Like, yeah.
0: So you were essentially like, I'd come hire you because I wanted a hit for my brand.
2: Yeah. Online. Generally, yeah. Say it was one step more cynical than that, which mm-hmm. is that the CMO would do it because he wanted a better job at another agency. You know? Okay. And uh, some of it did work, but generally speaking, it was just proving they were on it with the new stuff. Sure. I mean, that's. Which exists today. Yeah. Absolutely. That's agency life. But what the, I can't go buy a
0: hit anymore. You, know, you, go, you have to buy it now. You yeah. can't just make it. I have to go give Google lots of money or like, what do I do? Yeah, well, if I wanted the equivalent, like, like 2 million people to look at my interactive brand experience, what right. do I
2: do? Well, so I would say the important thing to remember is that like the Internet got way, 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 way bigger. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. There are still people and are you might well be one of them that like when, you know, Axios launches, they're looking at the CSS and thing, and giggling to themselves or like wondering what, why they chose this CMS or that. CMS. That was like 80% of the audience on the internet at that point. That's right? true.
0: Everybody was kind of making right. it and while they were. Right. Know. They're
2: still there, but there's just way more people. And the other thing is now the answer is you buy that audience, which is I guess if I cared about the nobility of marketing, I'd be like, that sucks, man. But it's super convenient. Oh, it is. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's kind of, I mean, it does limit
0: your options to break out.
2: Uh, yeah. Well, okay. So I think the breakout is a little bit different. So I think that like there at any moment in marketing, there's some technology craft medium like that is the new emerging thing that it's very good for agencies to sort of be able to make their market. Oh, they force it. It's
0: AR and yeah. VR right yeah. now. Yeah. Right? I would yeah. say that
2: like app development was another one that, you know, Right, and then I would say that like, once you have your, your niche, like the book is really written to that, right? Like right. for us, our niche was the post first wave of internet when people wanted to be creative on the internet through marketing versus like, what Rizr Fish and all them would become like IBM.com or something, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And then I would say there, there was a viral marketing wave that this was my thesis through the whole period. And I would say that, like, we tried very hard with the next few. I had this theory that every 18 months there's some new thing, right? So this is like viral marketing wave. YouTube, you know, the chicken was kind of right. before YouTube, right? And then yeah. YouTube came along, and that was a whole thing. We did a bunch of stuff with like a cannon that shot beer that did really well. and. You know, they would just keep <laughs> that,
0: that was awesome. That's good. I mean, that was like
2: a million views on YouTube, but you it was impossible your, to get a million views.
0: Nice. You know I, mean? I like how yeah. you just keep updating your tombstone as you go along your own. I'm <laughs> no,
2: definitely more su- proud of the beer cannon. It's than not subservient
0: there. chicken anymore. Yeah, it's Milwaukee's beer the best light,
2: man. That one was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so they keep coming along and and so then you kind of got to decide if you're in your niche or if you're going to expand beyond your niche and the book is really written like you came to this business as a craftsperson right right like in the old days in mad men right like they start their agency don draper leaves with john price and they all go and one they got the account guy and a and a copywriter and like a like a, like a finance guy mm-hmm. and, uh, but now it's like everybody starts these shots because they're experts in some part of the craft right and then from that base where do you go that's really what i tried to look at the book about
0: well, actually, I mean, let's define what, what the hell is an Cause are we're, we're, I'm sitting here going like, we're not an agency. What is an agency? Cause so I think the, by your definition, obviously we are like,
2: what is it? So I've kind of seeded that term, right? Okay. Like in the old days, okay. I very much an agency operated on as an agent on behalf of their clients. And the reason they were operating as an agent is because they were going to buy media, right? This is the classic, this is the I'm classic People, definition. So right. a lot Because of our, I was spending money for them. I would go to time magazine and say, I need a full page ad for Ford. And so I was operating as their agent. And a lot of our listeners don't, won't know about this, right? So the way that you made money as an
0: agency was you, you would go like, you'd get a commission on that. Yeah. You'd buy the media
2: and then you'd kind of say like, I got this space over here.
0: We can fill it with your ads. Is right. that correct?
2: Uh, at one point, it was that simple. Yeah. Earlier, it was even even more simple. Like, the publications themselves were the ad agencies. Right. And I'm talking, like, 1920s and 30s. Yeah, 20s and 30s. You basically, all agencies made all their money off of the commission, and then they did the creative for free on top of it. Right. And then in the 70s and 80s, they started getting creative fees on top of that. And in the 80s, they started splitting the media agencies off separate. And, you know, that stuff's relevant today because it's, like, a large part of why a lot of advertising sucks on the Internet. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, like, the people that are planning the media aren't the creatives. And the, the medium can be the creativity when you do something really cool, but they don't because they don't get it. And it's all separate and it's a big mess. Well, that's the thing. Nobody, that's interesting.
0: <laughs> no, I mean, ads online are terrible.
2: Yeah. Well, that's why they just really want video ads to be a thing. And oh. they have since the night the, you know... the the early 2000s because they could just take the model they had and use it again. And they are winning. It is slowly becoming that, but you know, if you get something like, like, you know, interesting artistic stuff on the internet, it still happens. You know, I would say your, what is code piece? It was, it was editorial, but it's also one of those things, right? Like just this amazingly built interesting thing. Marketers can't do that because the media company is separate from the
0: creator. What's your, what's your job now?
2: Uh, so now I'm COO at TimeHawk.
0: See, is, okay, that that's the, lets me look back at tweets
1: Yeah, of
2: the thing that Facebook ripped off one year ago, two years ago, three <laughs> yeah,
1: years it's, ago. Yeah, it's so funny. It became yeah. a, a, a feature of every big product, but it was TimeHop's a great product. Yeah, and it, when it first launched, especially, it was something I really, I, my company took a lot of inspiration from. It just let you kind of appreciate your, your social content in a way and in, in a perspective that yeah, I, I mean, wouldn't have had.
2: It's, it's interesting in a lot of ways because it's in some ways yet another product Facebook ripped off, right? Yeah. But it's not dead. It's still millions of daily active users. Uh, it has a lot of advantages over, over Facebook, but Facebook kind of ripped like ripped it off enough to take away the casual users. So it went away from, you know, it's 20 million, I think it's 23 million registered users. And that was like 20 when I took it over. It was on a tear and now it's like a slower kind of thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm.
0: Um, what is one to do with a 20 million user company these days? Because we act like oh, and 20 million, whatever. It's actually <laughs> extraordinarily hard to get like
2: a thousand users for anything. It's yeah. a real U-shape now, right? Mm-hmm. There's a ton of stuff with like under a million and then there's like your big platforms. And in that middle, there's just this gulf, you know, like... So, like, especially in mobile, right? I feel We're that mobile we, only. That may, that's yeah. even rarer to have that many millions just in mobile.
1: What I love about it is that it's, it's using your data to help you like know yourself a little bit better and to have that awareness. Like, I, I love that idea of like, I want to see where I've been is where I am. I think most networks just sort of ingest your data and use it to advertise yeah. to you. But that's what I, I mean. The spirit of the product is like, look at where you've been. Yeah, it's look nice. At where you're going. And, you know, it's we use good. programmatic
2: nice. advertising, but we don't do data driven advertising. Your data isn't in your advertising. Right. We give the most generic bland stuff you can. Right. Like age range gender and location and that's it that's all our advertising is on so it's programmatic and i always hated programmatic i was a brand guy arnold working on volkswagen want a bunch of clios and all this stuff and now i'm running a programmatic ad business but but you know it's like is for the listeners that means that robots decide which yes ads they around. do through an incredibly complicated auction that mm-hmm. happens in real time that we built our own tech for because the entire industry kind of sucks it's. Really- I like. I like. How you, <laughs> what,
0: I, what I really enjoy with this narrative, and it feels very comforting to me, is you keep digging a deeper hole that you then have to climb. Like, I'm going to write a book. <laughs> no, I'll write two books. <laughs> no, I'll write a book and then I'll start a company. No, we'll do. It'll have some advertising. Actually, what we'll do is we'll create our own advertising technology. <laughs> And that I, was shocking to me. Right. <laughs> I was like, well,
2: I was like, well, you know, it's millions of users a day. And, uh, you know, I've got a direct sales team we're doing pretty good on the direct. And then I'm like, Oh, in from a Mopub or something and get some programmatic money. And it's all garbage, you mm-hmm. know, it's all garbage. So we just have been building our own for a year and it's, I don't know, like 700% better revenue than it was. Whoa. And yeah, it's the best that's out there right now. All right. So, so you're... that'd be part, you know, if I was, if you were somebody I was trying to sell the company to, that'd be part of it. Mobile mm-hmm. audiences are hot, right? Nobody mm-hmm. really has millions of people in mobile audiences except the big platforms. Yep. So every publisher is like on mobile desktop, you know, and, but the ad brand advertisers like mobile apps because of brand safety, like their moat scores and all that stuff. So there's, there's a, there's a business case for Time Hop that's out there, but really we took it because we didn't. I believe in nostalgia. I always have. It's why I wrote the first check for them. And like, I like little simple things that are just a couple minutes of your day. I'm not trying. We're not trying to take over your day. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You know what strikes me too is like
0: Verizon is now one of the largest media companies in the world. Yep. And we don't talk about that. People would much rather talk about the New York Times op-ed page than they would about the fact that Verizon controls like, I mean... Yahoo news is still probably 80% of the news
2: that people over 65 are reading. Yeah. I remember there was like big freakouts in the nineties when cable companies and news networks were emerging. Like that was uh, like yeah. nothing compared that's to literally, what happens now. that's like,
0: <laughs> that's so tiny in comparison. I know. I, I mean, we think, think about the things that power like Disney. Yeah. Disney owns my, my entire life. Because I have two small children.
2: Well, the, the counter argument to this is the one that Martin Sorrell made last week, which is that none of them are anywhere near Facebook and Google. And unlike the. He's having a good time, too. Yeah. Tell the people who Martin <laughs> Sorrell is, they won't even know. Well, so Martin Sorrell is the recently ousted CEO and founder of the largest ad holding company in the world, WPP. He also sort of invented the holding company uh, model in the 70s. This is actually perfectly relevant to what I was about to say when he worked for the Saatchi brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, as their CFO, they, they were the ones that taught wall. Street. So this is going to start sounding familiar to anybody that works in tech, but they're the ones that taught wall street that advertising agencies could be great stocks to bet on. Right. And then that consolidation and rollups would be like the way to do it. They were an improved management layer. So Saatchi and Saatchi ended up, they, they were aspiring to be the first sort of new holding company. And, and Martin Strell was their point man to the bankers. And they, they to IPO and get a very good valuation on it. And all through the 70s and 80s, the Sashis ultimately faltered when they tried to buy a bank. They get a lot, made a lot of fun for it, but it was a totally smart move if you think about it. And now we're in this world where McKinsey is... Getting into advertising. But anyway, he left them and did it on his own. Bought a, a shopping cart company called Wire and Plastic Products, named it WPP, and got a bunch of money from the bankers and bought Ogilvy, which was the storied, famous ad agency. They weren't and, enthusiastic about it. Uh, no, the, him and David Ogilvy eventually made up. Right. But you no, know, he, he called them an odious little shit. That's right. Because Martin uh, Sorrell is not tall and no, David Ogilvy tall, it yeah. was. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then he also bought JWT very quickly. Um, Walter Thompson. And the entire deal paid for itself because he sold their Tokyo headquarters building that was worth as much the whole deal and they didn't keep their books well, which was wonderful evidence to his bankers that improved management techniques would work. So they're the hot stocks in the 70s and 80s. -hmm. Agency stocks. They had these giant share prices, great PE ratios. They
0: own hundreds of smaller... Yeah, and he was on
2: a great run with it and he could buy anything. I have like a broad thesis that the, the issue with the bank with uh the bank when he was at Saatchi. he's kind of scarred him from expanding too far beyond his remit but they own data companies mm-hmm. they own you know they own like uh, measurement companies media analytics companies but they could never lock, companies they could
0: never lock down like a Facebook or a Google those no. those grew out sort of out from under them
2: yeah they have an investment arm and they made some small investments here and there but uh no and so now we have these different behemoths with stocks and so eventually like the it's just to wrap that part of the story eventually the the bloom was off the rows of holding company stocks. Mm-hmm. They didn't have their great PE levels anymore. They, they fell back down to like law firms and th- stuff with low PE levels.
0: And you sold barbarian got sold to a uh, holding company. Yeah.
2: Right? Well, a smaller one that's basically an arm of Samsung. Yeah. Okay. Uh, WPP was the other bidder. Okay. So now they don't have this, they don't have these inflated stocks, right? Like it's a, like, like a multiple on their revenue. Whereas Facebook and Google do. Mm-hmm. Right. And they like, Facebook and Google sell the ad space and own the ad space versus just brokering the ad space, right? But the amount of money, if ad money that flows through, is roughly equal. And then same with the the, the, the big networks. Like uh, so, Sorrell, he just recently lost his job under very shadowy circumstances. Yeah, nobody knows
0: why. No, mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean there's you a know, lot of
2: in quotes it's- theories about it being part of the Me Too movement or brandied about. But like there was an investigation by the board, and they said it in, it in involved non what was it non substantial sums but it didn't say it involved substantial. It was really weirdly worded. Like it might not involve sums at all. It didn't do anything. So anyway, he did, but now he's out and free and he's thinking what he wants to do next. And he's operating as a bit of a pundit and he's been arguing very strongly for the uh, CBS Viacom re-merger. And he said like together as much ad money passes through those two as Facebook or Google. Mm-hmm. So like, all that is to say there's this counter argument that the consolidation on the, on the network side is really the only option we have to fighting these giant platforms.
0: So we're living in this world of giants. That's real. We'd kind of scamper around in the shadows of dinosaurs as a little mouse with our firm. But like a lot of the people listening to this show are people who are doing a reset of some kind into their career. If somebody wants to get
2: into your world, what do they do? So I think one thing that really confounds everyone are like the compensation structures of startups. Mm-hmm. Like there's this widely pervasive belief you can get rich in startups.
0: Oh, it's terrible! It's, it's sad.
2: really bad. And while it's true to some extent, it's kind of like saying my career is going to be playing the lottery. Right? Honestly, you lose people to it for five years and then they come back. Yeah, yeah. right. It's not. Like, it's not a great deal, and it's getting kind of worse. You know. Yeah. Um, And, you know, even just like the talk of if you had a really good fair deal and you were one of the first five people, honestly, by 20, forget about it. And it became a unicorn, you could get... I can afford an apartment in New York rich. Right. I just think, <laughs> right.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think about it. Like,
2: you know, are you, if you went to a
0: horse race right now, would you know the right horse to bet on?
2: Yeah, that's right. right. Like that's, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't. Well, and there idea. has to be a horse race that's happening and horses have to be in it. Like when you're sitting there planning your career, like right now, of like the hundreds of companies that are being planned in New York, maybe one or two will become a unicorn. Maybe.
1: Yeah. Maybe. And,
2: but I mean, where are they in the planning? Where are you and you are needing your job? It's just not feasible. Right. So like, and by the minute you can tell that they're going to go somewhere, everybody else can oh my too. God, so yeah. It's just, it's just, a, it's just a, like a waste of time.
0: Yeah. This is actually, I don't think people know that, right? Like if you going to a late stage startup is just a job.
2: Oh yeah. Totally. Yeah,
0: very you, much so. You're like, Oh my God, it's growing so fast. I'm going to get, you're
2: going to get, or And i are going to do that. Go to Google or Apple or Facebook where at least you're paid really well. And the stock is right. stable and the they thing have great the late, benefits. The I right. think <laughs> the late stagers do that's brutal is like, Oh, we're giving
0: you 30 million units. Like they'll give you options to vest yeah, on but it. It doesn't way. matter.
2: Just take the cash at that.
0: Point. No, I know. But the units will be like worth $30,000. <laughs> yeah. Right. Totally, yeah. And you're just like, Oh my God, I got all these units and you don't realize that there's 20 people in line who will vest before you and just, just anyway, Yeah,
2: it's all a mess. It's, en- it's engineered to screw you over. It really That's is. That's right. Then you got to work with what you got, right? Like agency. I, I wrote because like, I like agencies cause it's a hustler's game. You could be born like in a ditch in Topeka and you could still start an agency and make millions. Which is awesome. You don't need, you don't need an investment. You basically need like an iPad. Say in the book, you need an iPad and a co-working desk to like start mm-hmm. an agency. It's all about your wits and it's all about talent. And it's generally like if you're good, there will be work. It's very, very hard to scale. That part sucks, you know. I mean, there's some
1: network involved. There's, you have to have a network, right, in yeah. order to bring clients. Yeah, but the yeah,
2: network yeah. starts but to
0: build itself it, if you, get, it, if you it, do well. It starts to build
2: itself and it starts to build with your team, right? Like yeah. I don't know the roles of the people here, but I know one of you probably does more work getting the clients than the other ones. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, And I write about those different roles in the book. Like you need yeah. a hustler. But yeah, I mean, obviously, if you're a sociopath, it's hard to develop relationships. But <laughs> presume, you know, even, even if you're born in Indigenous Topeka, you can make some friends and like tell which one's a good hustler and which one's like organized, sure. you know? Mm-hmm. So <laughs> uh, the book starts with like, how rich can you get or something like that? Because, and it's like, you're not gonna get like Warren Buffett rich. You're not gonna even get like a billionaire. You, you're not gonna get like, what do I call it? I want, oh, I bought a jet weird rich. Yeah. yeah. But you can get like, oh, I think I'll buy a cool car today rich, which is, mm-hmm. that's, that's, you know. That's, that's for me. That's enough. So.
0: I mean, that's the plain old American
2: dream right there. Like, <laughs> right. The, yeah. Like,
0: Oh, I have the biggest TV that they had at the store. Right. Yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah. I mean, so like, I don't really, I mean, it'd be cool to get really rich. Uh, if I have I a new th- daughter. It'd be cool if she was like, honestly, a Olympian, but I'm going to like anyway.
0: <laughs> you, you have it too. We all three of us have had probably given our, our middle class, lower middle class roots, surprising proximity to billionaires. Yeah. Yeah. I'm if somebody gave me a couple billion dollars right now, I'd I'd figure out what to do. Oh, I know exactly.
2: It. Yeah, totally. Okay.
0: But <laughs> but I don't actually see it as an attractive outcome because you're it just seems really hard to have long term maintainable friendships Things
1: get real weird. Yeah. Even when you're though, that level of wealthy. It's,
0: it's, it's kind
2: of horrible. And mm-hmm. I, the other thing is, is like, we're you don't older. have to
0: worry about things.
2: Yeah, no. yeah. We're older. So that's also a huge thing. Like kids ended up with like $5 million out of the blue when they're like 20 years old. I've that's, seen it happen. Yeah, yeah. It Honestly, it's not pretty. It's, it's not just It really goes away.
0: <laughs> the lucky ones buy real estate. Right. Well, the unlucky mean, ones
2: buy drones. Yeah. $2 million goes away. Yeah. Like, you know, $200 million. It's very hard to lose.
0: It can be done. No, 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 yeah. but you're right. But
2: I, MC I, Hammer. I've met <laughs> lots
0: of like, yeah, that's true. The documentary was awesome. In
1: the beginning, though, you have to have some resilience for feast and famine, right? I mean, the, you know, when you're first starting out, you have to be able to take a couple months where you're not getting paid and
2: yeah. getting paid
1: very little, right? Like,
2: yeah, I mean, by the time, it's interesting. I mean, I didn't even really think about that period. I, out of college, you know, I graduated in, from college in 92, so it wasn't anything like the Great Recession, but it wasn't a great time. I was an economics major. A lot, a lot of people were hiring economists in 92, but it was, it was a recession, right? So yeah. I just sort of like... Worked, you know, and like Aquent Partners, Mac Thames, did a lot of freelance desktop publishing. So I worked I,
0: for Mac temps I, temps too. I, nice, yeah. <laughs> oh,
1: <temps>. man.
2: <laughs> um, the reason I was saying that is like I had a nice period of like not making a lot of money. Then, then Arnold, when I was in advertising, it did okay. So I didn't really even think about the period early barbarian where we were paying ourselves twenty grand a year. I just don't. I didn't right. care. I was working all the time anyway. Rents were cheaper then, I guess. Yeah. I that was is Boston, a big thing. My rent yeah.
0: was five ninety. Yeah, my, and before yeah.
2: that it had been two fifty. Yeah, so. it was four thirty three. So yeah. it was just like. You remember yeah. that number because it was actually a pretty big number. When I first moved back to Boston in '94, it was two hundred bucks. Yeah. <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah. Just just living in some room. Yeah. So yeah, I guess now. I mean, I don't. I actually don't know what it is. Nine stops out on the L anymore. It's not like, good. No, know, no, it's, it's like fourteen hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah, it so really is. Yeah. yeah. So you need something. Yeah. Um.
0: So if I wanted to, but I mean, this is the thing, right? Like we're talking about this nice agency experience back when we were young and you could live cheaply and write some copy.
2: Well, I, you know, it hasn't really changed because I advocate you don't take investment money to start your agency. You're building it from the base of the clients you get right away. Yeah. Right. So like we got our first client, it was $20,000. Two of us said, okay, so pay me. I don't remember like like 400 a week or something. And then the other two just kept their jobs. Right. And then as we got Go a few more clients, we're like, we can afford to take you on now. And the other one, you know, we can afford to take you on. You don't have to quit your day job until you make enough to quit your day job. Like, There's only, there's yeah. no investment. There's no two years of burn in, in agencies. Right. I mean, this
1: is what I love about being an agency. Yeah, you like, ramp up from the yeah. money
2: you make. If you can't make enough to like, you know, if you can't make $1,400 a month in an agency, you probably are barking up the wrong tree.
0: Yeah. All right, but what if yeah. I want to get into it, like the world now, right? There yeah. are agencies, so on and so forth. But if I look at like online advertising, yeah, it's a giant spectacle of craziness. We're above Luma Partners who make this chart, which shows yeah, all yeah, the yeah the- I saw you guys made the chart. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. No, yeah, no, no, no. They're downstairs. Luma is char- downstairs. <laughs> oh, chart you're above downstairs. them yeah, here. Yeah, okay. They're okay. right downstairs. And so uh, they make this chart of advertising. We'll link yeah. to it. It's all these giant interconnected systems that this world now. Yeah,
2: I wouldn't um, get into that.
0: Stay away from that.
2: Yeah, with the you know, assuming we're talking about somebody that isn't going to go raise money, we're Let's not talking a, like startup are, ideas here. I'm a smart,
0: creative person. I know a little JavaScript, and I'm interested in doing something new or weird with my career. Well, so you know,
2: just like in the book, I'd be like, "What, what are your life goals? Okay, how rich do you want to get?" Well, everybody's going to say, "I want to get as rich as possible." No, well, everybody right. doesn't say no, that. No, that's true. Let's yeah. say
0: um, I like I'm, I'm my I aspired to lower middle class. I hit it, and now I want to
2: like to see how far I can take this thing. Do you want to go all the way without and risk everything, or do you want to do it in a nice, incremental, safe way? Well, what do you think, Gina?
1: Hmm. Do I have children? It's
2: a flow chart, you know I what mean? I mean? Yeah, yeah right. okay. <laughs> Let's say I don't have children.
1: Don't have children, single. Yeah. And you're ready to, to roll the dice? I what I do right, I do? I and right.
2: you're cool if like all of it completely fails? Yeah, because then I'll have to go. I'll so go now find we're just talking book. VC and like investments, you know okay. what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Right, uh, which I did for a while and still follow but i find less interesting as as a career because it gets into like oh what's hot you know then you're not we have whole conversations about what vcs are into right now dude i am every aspect friendly and like
0: i'm building systems here we're building systems here that are going to last for 20 years like for real like they're really yeah yeah. and then the whole industry is so exhaustingly fashion driven so i don't think it it is
2: i think there are like like we're talking the services world of mm-hmm, digital and marketing. Mm-hmm. I think that there is a very long arc that's almost a hundred years old and we are still part of it. We are starting to see like the weakening power of the holding companies. Mm-hmm. They're being assaulted by Facebook and Google and McKinsey on the other side. Yeah. McKinsey, McKinsey is McKinsey Accenture. On its way, that stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They have both have profound weaknesses on them. They're like the only time there's been any interesting alliance between publishers and agencies is when vice bought carrot. And then that got all screwed because of the, the, the problems with management. But like, You know what I mean? Our our good client vice,
0: we have no opinion on this. No, but my
2: point is, is like, that's still a very fertile area, right? Like the alliance between the agencies and the publishers, it was killed in the twenties and thirties because of like the media stuff and worries about bias, but nobody's going to think that now in this era of like, like Facebook and Google. Right. And like McKinsey's very smart about your business, but they have their own weaknesses. People just haven't really ever stabbed them at it yet. Right. Like, they waste a ton of your money. They don't actually have a firm opinion on everything. It's all the exact opposite of what advertising is about. You know what I mean? Like, it's business process stuff. And the age of data is what, you know, this period we're in now is, like, only part of the story. Like, like You live on both sides of this, though. I do, I do. This is. I
0: mean, it's, you know, half of the stuff you're talking about is, like, business process re-engineering.
2: Yeah. You're I just mean, not a McKinsey consultant. That is the period. There's an opportunity right now to re-engineer them out of their position, I think. You think so? You think you're ready to go for McKenzie? No, I mean, let's do it. I got other stuff to do in life, man. (laughs) No, no, come on. Come
0: on, let's go. Let's do it. Let's go for McKenzie.
2: My great problem in life is I'm a very good manager, but I just want to write books.
1: (laughs) I think of these things, I'm
2: like, so you need to take on McKinsey from the other side. That's right. <laughs> taking on these holding companies, and but just write about defense just, and like you could totally get them from the side of creativity and like, I'm, I'm like just oh. write an article called "How We D- We Could yeah. Destroy McKinsey." You can do it. You know, I mean, you could definitely stop this supposedly inexorable attack of theirs on the holding companies. Mm-hmm. Like there are alliances to be made there. There are new types of shops I think that could be made. But the big downside is that I think it requires either M and A or investment. Which is something I've been very against in my agency. Yeah, we're bootstrapped. We like it a lot. Yeah. Right. So, like, you know, if like Martin Sorrell keeps hinting at what he might do next, like, there's opportunity there for somebody to do something to sort of stop those McKinsey's of the world. They're not that big. Their PE ratios aren't that much better. It's really kind of like two, two titans, you know. I mean, they're very different market caps, but they don't, it's not like one of them could. By like you know they, they, whatever. What's fun talking matched. to you is this is this is your foot, this is your football. This it is
1: really, like, is. it really is. It really is. like oh it's man, look at these
2: giants smashing into
0: each other <laughs> yeah. on the
2: field of play. Yeah, it's pretty funny. And you know, it's, I go back so deep in it. Like I, I read weird like everything I read. It's like through this prism, right? Like I'm reading mm-hmm. the Robert Caro LBJ books, and right. even though as I find relates to this, you sure. know what I mean? Like it's all it's all. Advertising is a very, very, very big part of our world that people don't think about. No, it's a mega structure, yeah. right? Like it's like the military. It's and yeah. industry. You talk about like the post war boom and then we always talk about government and technology and like technology and mass media, maybe. And mass media and technology are both primarily funded by advertising. Without point, a doubt. You know. It's just and especially well, now and the the part of tech we
0: deal with, then there's the substrate part of tech. Yeah. So back yeah. then that
2: was kind of I would say the the post-war boom was a transition, right? You had the, you know, Vannevar Bush and the Raytheons and stuff mm-hmm. like that. That was like the government, you know, the military industrial complex. But there's definitely a tech ad one, right? Like Theater of Vale and like all the like at and and all that is radio and TV giving into William Paley. All that money is coming from advertising. 90% of all radio, network radio programming was advertising, and it was worse on TV, even at the beginning, you know what I mean? And then the internet, I mean, advertising has spent f- something like, f- I have a graph in the book, in the new book, but it's like four times the amount of money as VC mm-hmm. has been spent building the internet on advertising than it has on VC. Sure, that totally makes sense. So like in the old days, tech, there's railroads and steam engines, and then up through like military stuff, but of late, it's advertising that's funding it. We'll see if it's something different now with Tesla and Airbnb and stuff. <laughs> All right,
0: Rick. Um, we can keep
2: going. For hours. No, I we know.
0: Could. I mean, we, we've got—it's literally there are 500 tabs open on this conversation yeah. right
1: now. I'm sad. I've got a client to go see. I know. I, I want to keep going.
2: Well, it's good to see you. <laughs> cool. You guys too. It's nice to come visit the office for me.